Good evening, everyone, once again, as we come together to work with the energies of Leo, the fire sign in the fixed cross. The monthly festivals marking the five-day period of the full moon can be seen as cosmic gifts when the extraplanetary energies are particularly active and more available to us than at any other time of the month. Therefore, we are given an opportunity to more directly participate in the work of the spiritual hierarchy by meditating as a united group, united through mental substance, with a focus on aiding the hierarchy in its planetary work of redemption. Together, we are able to invoke more light, more love, and more power than we would be able to individually. And even though we are not all in the same physical location, While working on the mental plane, this doesn't matter. It's the thought that counts. As we have learned in our studies, celebration of the full moon festivals is central to the coming new world religion, which will revolve around the lunar planetary cycles and other notable celestial events, such as eclipses, equinoxes, and solstices. DK mentions that in the future, the festival in Leo will be dedicated to the task of making contact via the hierarchy with Syrian force. This great and powerful star, Sirius, has an important relationship with the Earth because on its lodge, adepts who have achieved the fifth initiation on Earth then enter the lodge as humble disciples. It acts as the prototype of our own hierarchy. So there is a direct line of energy from Sirius through the hierarchy and into the energy center known as the new group of world servers. The full influence of Sirius, the cosmic ruler of Leo, is not felt until the third initiation has been undergone. But we can still look to the future and energetically strive toward the higher energies. We live in a complex system of interweaving energies, extraplanetary, planetary, group, individual, and subhuman lives that is almost impossible to understand. But the soul itself has full understanding. Slowly and over time, the soul's knowledge percolates into our little brains, revealing the wider world of energies and forces with which we strive to work. In Leo, the sun is the primary and only influence, ruling all three aspects, exoteric, esoteric, and hierarchical. As the source of life, it floods the atmosphere with intense light, electrical solar energy, and the life force. Cosmic electrical particles coming from the sun are continually bombarding the earth and passing through our brains and bodies. Electrical solar energy directs, directly affects the Earth, creating the beautiful effects in the polar areas known as aurora. Let us open ourselves to and honor the power of this great being, the solar logos, the center of our system, as humanity has done for countless thousands of years. We'll say together the ancient prayer of the Gayatri, followed by a single Om. 
O thou who givest sustenance to the universe, from whom all things proceed, to whom all things return, unveil to us the face of the true spiritual sun, hidden by a disk of golden light, that we may know the truth and do our whole duty as we journey to thy sacred feet. A great majority of the ageless wisdom teaching as given in the books by the Tibetan master Joal Kool with Alice Bailey, focuses on the theme of the unfoldment and development of consciousness in the human being. Indeed, we are told that, quote, it is a correct surmise that the purpose of this solar system is the unfoldment of consciousness, a statement which includes all forms of life, not just the human. On this theme, Leo is the prime example, because the overriding purpose of Leo is to progress from self-centeredness to self-consciousness with a small s, to full soul consciousness, and finally to group consciousness. Self-consciousness with a large s connotes a fully developed person who is complete, who is in complete control of his personal self and not swayed by desire or selfish intent. One is finely balanced in all personality vehicles, physical, etheric, emotional, and mental, are working in harmony and operating as a conscious vehicle for the soul's use. The love nature is in tune with the will, and the necessary personality integration is well underway so that soul fusion can take place. Of course, this process takes many, many lifetimes to accomplish. And while the personality grows in power and sense of self, through countless lifetimes in every kind of situation, the soul on its own plane continues its deep meditation, waiting for the time when it is fleetingly recognized by its reflection, the form nature. As the light of the soul pours into its instrument, the little self at the center, the one who thinks and plans solely for itself, begins to become transformed and highly sensitive to the environment. He is affected and changed by what is going on around him and in the world and gives full attention to the personal will and desires of the personality, the center of its world. Later, as a result of growing soul influence, one begins to outgrow the limited sphere of influence and starts pushing the boundaries of its previously small ring pass knot. Quietly and steadily, the soul gains more control until it is recognized for the powerful and all-knowing being that it is, the center of life as the sun is to its system. The lion who seeks his prey has emerged from the den and the soul, the sun, the kingly lion, 
takes full possession of its servant, the personality. The story of Leo is the story of the universal everyman, the journey from selfish self-centeredness to full self-consciousness and awareness, leading to full participation in the group of which he is a part. Every person has to make this journey, and it has an archetypal pattern that was described by the 20th century writer and philosopher Joseph Campbell as the hero's journey. Campbell was a student of world myths in all cultures and realized that these stories had a universal design, which he termed the monomyth. Biographers Robin and Stephen Larson describe Campbell's motivation for his research. Quote, what Campbell sought to elucidate in his books and in all of his teaching was a spiritual method for the West, one equivalent to the great Eastern paradigm of spiritual awakening, a model through which to comprehend and integrate the realizations that come through experience. Its focus should not be simply to attain the transcendent, but to glimpse its presence ever and again among the ordinarily opaque realities of our daily lives. This is how we come to recognize the monomyth that renders our separate journeys comparable and resonant with each other's. The book is called the F A Fire in the Mind. The hero's journey, or the journey of the personality in search of the soul, has several predictable and recognizable stages. The first is named, unsurprisingly, the call. The would-be hero or pilgrim is confronted with some crisis, some unexpected happening that evokes a response from deep within. It is a call to adventure, a possible step into the dangerous unknown, and a summons to travel into the world beyond the normal day-to-day -day routine. It calls for the pilgrim to leave the comfort and security of home for the wild world beyond the boundaries of known reality. Because the call is so insistent, it is hard to ignore, and this in itself causes a crisis of decision. Going forward into the adventure requires courage and fortitude, qualities easily available in Leo. Bearing the gift of free will, the aspirant is free to choose to heed and follow the call or to refuse it. Refusal, however, causes a kind of retrogression, a sinking back into the mundane and predictable material world until dissolution occurs. One may become economically wealthy, but spiritually poor. This stage is well known to students of the ageless wisdom, all of whom have in some way or another accepted the call and moved into the adventure of unfolding soul awareness leading to full self-consciousness. Once the aspirant has set his foot on the path, the first encounter with another being is in the form of some kind of protective figure, some older or wiser guide or helper who can offer useful advice or warning, someone who may offer a token or amulet of protection along the way. 
One characteristic of this helper is that it seems to come from some magical or unexpected place and appears in a mysterious manner, always right for the situation. Campbell writes, The protective power is always and ever-present within the sanctuary of the heart and even imminent within the unfamiliar features of the world. Next comes the stage of crossing the first threshold and confronting the guardian of this invisible but very real barrier. Beyond this crossing is danger, darkness, and an uncertain future of which the student is ignorant. Successful crossing brings one into the sacred zone of the universal source. Although the protector is still there, it cannot help the pilgrim cross the threshold. This must be done alone and unaided, except by the power of the soul and the courage and determination to continue. The law of repulse is depicted here, and the guardian of the threshold can be likened to the angel with the flaming sword, the powerful being who, in guarding the threshold, destroys the impulse to materialism so that the aspirant can proceed unencumbered by form life. It repulses those who are not ready, and in this way offers them protection from the tests and trials which would destroy them. We read in Esoteric Psychology 2, This law is one which primarily begins to impress the divine purpose upon the consciousness of the aspirant and dictates to him those higher impulses and those spiritual decisions which mark his progress upon the path. It should be remembered that to repulse a form, a situation, or a condition may be the evidence of spiritual love in the agent of repulsion. After successfully confronting and surrendering to the guardian and passing through the threshold, the next stage for our hero, ourselves in relation to our soul, can be likened to the dark night of the soul when all seems lost and there is no solution. No light can be found, and despair and loneliness set in with seemingly no way out. As he finds himself within the womb of time, the humbled aspirant can only turn inward as the parts of him that were familiar and safe have disappeared. The perceived reality and security of the material world has vanished and the would-be hero questions what is left. The personality's wishes, desires, and ambitions have been annihilated, leaving only the soul, which the aspirant must discover anew. As he does this, the long road to initiation stands before him, and he begins to face the many tests and trials of the path that lead eventually to liberation and freedom. Freedom is a spiritual principle and an attribute of deity. It is a soul quality and exerts its influence on every form, causing the eventual destruction of that form, whatever it might be, a plant, an animal, a thought form, a human being, or a planet. 
so that the growing life force within can be more fully expressed, ever requiring a new and more evolved form. The evolutionary process demands that life within be free of the limitations of form, of substance, and it is only through identification with form that pain and suffering exists. The Tibetan states that the principle of freedom is a leavening energy which can permeate substance in a unique manner. This divine principle represents an aspect of the influence which Sirius exerts on our solar system, and particularly on our planet. How do we observe this bubbling up of the principle of freedom in our world? How can we understand the influence of Sirius permeating substance, lifting and transforming it into divine activity? How do we understand the development of consciousness in relation to the liberating quality of Sirius as the cosmic ruler of Leo? Having gone through the first few stages of the archetypal journey, the traveler has succeeded in dissolving many of the barriers to soul expression that has sacrificed that part of himself that was blocking soul energy. The personal impulse to materialism has weakened, if not evaporated altogether, and the glamours and illusions still to be faced, while becoming more subtle and devious, will reveal their true nature more rapidly and will more easily be dissipated. Soul light grows and illuminates the landscape, revealing the reality of the illusion of the physical plane. While Leo is occultly considered one of the most material signs, the triumph in Leo is that the hero becomes the inspired spiritual sacrifice, demonstrating the will aspect as the embodiment of true service. The hero's journey continues into the underworld where all kinds of terrors await. The known world is gone forever. All seems lost and he is enveloped in total darkness. He is thrown back onto himself and must relive all his past mistakes, foolish decisions, and failures. This is the stage of atonement, a process that cannot be avoided and is best faced with the courage of a stout heart and a clear mind. It is only when the reality of the oneness of life is known and the voice of the soul is heard within that the inner light begins to be felt and known. Revelation then ensues, and the purified and chastened hero understands that he carries a great gift that must be shared with humanity. He knows the soul, and compassion for all suffering, human or animal, bursts his heart, and the message he now carries burns to be revealed. This stage has similarities to the climb up the mountain in Capricorn, where upon revelation, the vision of the disciple is filled with rivers and streams of light, and he knows he must come back down to earth to serve and share all the gifts he has received and the wisdom he has gained from his universal journey. He is now the fully awake servant in Aquarius, the goal of the self-realization found in Leo. 
Leo offers a special opportunity to harness and release the energy of love, the solar fire into humanity. In Leo, the cosmic principle of love flows directly from the sun series into the hierarchy and via the Christ, the embodiment of cosmic love, into human hearts. Our destiny as disciples and members of the new group of world servers is to embody this love and perfect its expression in this second ray solar system of love wisdom. We have been through the era of purification by water, and as we are reminded, fire takes the place of water on the reversed wheel. The fire we see all around us during this critical time. Although every week we reflect and speculate on the possible results of the reappearance of the world teacher, the Christ, it is useful to prepare ourselves to handle the intensity of the incoming energies. We read in Discipleship in the New Age, Volume 1, it is the fire of love which he will bring. It is the message of the purificatory fire which he will sound. He will not teach anent the waters of purification, as has hitherto been the symbolic imparted truth. He will impart the fire which burns and destroys all barriers in man's nature, all separating walls between individuals, between groups, and between nations. Are you prepared as individuals, as disciples and aspirants, to submit yourselves to this fire? Let us imagine the fire of love radiating outward to all we need, purifying and gently cleansing away anything that stands in the way of the expression of the soul. Let us imagine a lighted world where love can flourish and the light reveals a glorious creation. Let us stand together in the fire of love and tread together the lighted way. D.K. gave to his disciple, R.V.B., this beautiful prayer. Grant me the light that I may shine. Let me throughout the world of time and space radiate light, create a light, transmit the light, and thus, and treading thus the lighted way, which is my lighted self, enter the light, and so return the light to those who need to those likewise from whence it came. We'll prepare for our meditation. Keynote of the full moon approach to the hierarchy. He who faces the light and stands within its radiance is blinded to the issues of the world of men. He passes on the lighted way to the great center of absorption. 
But he who feels the urge to pass that way, yet loves his brother on the darkened path, revolves upon the pedestal of light and turns the other way. He faces towards the dark, and then the seven points of light within himself transmit the outward streaming light, and lo, the face of those upon the darkened way receives that light. For them, the way is not so dark. Behind the warriors, twixt the light and dark, blazes the light of hierarchy. Letting in the light. Group fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the new group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. Extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known.
higher, <clears throat> higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
meditation on the seed thought for Leo. I am that and that am I.
precipitation. Using the creative imagination, visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Use the sixfold progression of divine love as the sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, physical centers of distribution. The lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. Together sound the affirmation. In the center of all love I stand. From that center I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, 
I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy and streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. The exact time of the full moon is uh, 2.31 tomorrow, uh, August 1st, Eastern Time. And the next full moon meeting will be for Virgo, August 30th. Thank you so much.